from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Khan, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, the famous Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. I think you meant infamous. And uh, can I just can, can I just say can I just say right today it's like ninety eight degrees in Philadelphia today, and I am sweating bullets. But I'm excited because we've got a hot show today, as usual. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Yeah, and one of the reasons it's a hot show is we have our colleague with us, Kate Lamberton, who's a professor of marketing at the Wharton School, and we are totally delighted to have Kate here. Hello, Kate. Hi, so glad to be here. So we are delighted to have Kate here with us today, and we are going to play our game Hit and Miss. Love and it. what Hit and Miss means kind of changes, particularly depending on America's mood, but typically what it is. <laughs> was like the hit the marketing hit of the week and the miss of the week and then we'd all vote and see if we agree on those distinctions and those labels so with that americas do you have a hit and or a miss this week i have something i'd like to offer up to the group yes so all right so when i was growing up barbara i remember very vividly that uh my mother used to take me on tuesdays to wendy's uh that venerable institution uh, founded by Dave Thomas. And I remember like vivid, like it's burned into my memory. I remember sitting in the restaurant. They used to have these tables with like replicas of mm-hmm. newspapers, old newspapers on the tables. And I remember getting the frosty and the fries and the burger. And so it's like burned into my memory. And let me, first of all, let me pose this question. Do you remember the most famous advertising campaign from Wendy's? It doesn't look like beef or it's something. Where's the beef? <laughs> well, Where's the beef? Where, Barbara, you just butchered that, but that's okay because it's perfectly consistent with, you know, the entire theme here. So yeah, where's the beef? So they're pretty good at making like these famous, like, and that was viral before the word viral was actually, you know, a thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they've got this new advertisement that I want to kind of call out. And essentially it was... Uh, started by a child, Barbara, who sort of took some crayons and wrote a little story about Wendy's uh, on like like on the construction paper. And his mom tweeted this to Wendy's and Wendy's then created an advertisement campaign around this little boy's story. And there's a very interesting kind of juxtaposition of the the child, the storyboard and crayon. And they actually went and made this, the video of his story, the, a film of his story, and they've turned it into an advertisement. And so, you know what? I was thinking like, wow, there's a lot of interesting things to unpack in that context. So, for example, influencers, the notion of authenticity, you know, does this help the brand doing this kind of thing, Barbara? Is it a smart thing to do? Is it going to be seen as a marketing shtick or gimmick? You know, that kind of thing, like we're seeing these kinds of blurring of the lines between the co-collaboration of the consumer and the brand and the brand being utterly willing to bring in the consumer's ideas and thoughts and feelings and emotions to be able to promote its messaging. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Google it. You'll see it's a very interesting YouTube sort of story that is played out. But I was wondering, I think it's a hit because 
And maybe I'm biased because I'm going back to Mama Reed when she used to take me to Wendy's on Tuesdays. Uh, and it's triggering all of these nostalgic kind of positive emotions. But I thought it was an interesting example of kind of taking an idea out of the sort of out of the interwebs, if you will, and then making it your own as a brand. And presumably, you know, an organic sort of story that came from a fan of your brand who just happens to love your brand. What are your thoughts, Barbara? Well, I do think it's a hit, but I think it's a traditional hit. It's the kind of thing we've been seeing in advertising forever. And what's old is new again and comes back. And yeah, it's authentic, but it's kind of traditional advertising. So I, I think it probably will resonate. What do you think, Kate? Well, I think it's a hit because Wendy's has always had this mom thing, right? Like, so you think of Mama Reed, America, America's, but remember when this whole magical thing was, oh, look, it actually says mom in their logo. Yes. So it's smart because yes, it's, it's the authenticity of childhood. Like nobody thinks a child is just trying to get famous by telling a story about Wendy's. Yep. Um, but it's also really, to Barbara's point, very brand consistent to yes. be mother and child and bonding and story. And of course they want to be, part of the story now for me the story was always mcdonald's growing up right um <laughs> yes. wendy's was for fancy <laughs> yes <laughs> interesting interesting yeah, very interesting <laughs> what do you think barbara i mean i i think it's you know I, I, traditional will will this sort of fade into the background barbara a sea of sameness what, what are your thoughts not novel enough not what do you think no, I don't think it's that because I think what's traditional about it is what we used to say that, you know, in the old days of our show, STP, you know, it's about <laughs> segmentation, targeting and positioning mm -hmm. and classic messaging. And to Kate's point, you know, something that's authentic to the brand way back when, you know, to both of your childhood, that's the definition of good advertising. Mm -hmm. So in some sense, when we're all looking for modern answers, we're coming out of COVID you know, the idea of going back to basics and doing what is good marketing, even if yes. it's pretty, pretty straightforward, yeah. seems like a good idea. So more power to Wendy's for doing that. And I got to yeah. say, Barbara, it also, interestingly enough, it, you know, I'm into kale and antioxidants at this point in my life at 50 years of age. But for half a second, Barbara, I almost was like, I think I'm going to go get a burger and a Frosty and some fries for half a second. So I don't know if this is success. It's like sort of moving me down the motivational impetus to actually jump back into the fast food game, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So let me give you my hits and or misses. Like we said, we get to define them any way we want now because it's our show. So <laughs> I have two things that I do think are hits. I know one's supposed to be a miss, but I think they're hits. But I, I have the same reaction to them, Americas, as you did with regard to the one you brought in. Do I think it's a hit because of my own perspective or is it really a hit? Um, so let me take one that matches kind of what you're saying only with Burger King instead of Wendy's, but it's very much a high tech approach. And just today I got to notice that uh, Heinz Ketchup and Burger King are working with Waze um, to provide just-in-time ads on the Waze app. And the reason I like this is because I've been doing a bunch of work, uh, work personally with Waze. And I think the idea of thinking about the customer experience in the car and thinking about different ways to interact with the customer's while they're in the car and yes. your brand is very new, new age, but not new age in 
that old way, but new age in terms of new tech and things like that. Mm -hmm. So the newest campaign um, that I just read about is that Heinz is partnering with Burger King and Waze to dish out free ketchup and impossible Whoppers. This is in Canada. Ah. If you're stuck in traffic, (laughs) you're moving as slow as Heinz moves out of the ketchup (laughs) So if wow. you're in a situation like that, then you're going to get a, a, a coupon or something for free Whopper and free ketchup or something like that. So the idea of thinking about the brand while you're in the car, stuck in traffic, that's kind of what we're talking about is new customer experience. And the idea of thinking about that as a way to build brand, um, driving it around the customer experience, I mm-hmm. think very innovative and creative. Interesting. But I'm, pro- I'm partial to Waze. I like the way Waze does its business. So is it a hit or a miss? Let's start with Kate. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's creative. I guess when you say thinking about ketchup and, and Waze when, and, and Burger King when I'm sitting in traffic, that seems like a lot of bad, bad brand associations to me, <laughs> right? I mean, on one hand, yeah, we'll reward you for sitting in traffic. But on the other hand, that's just not that's not what I want to think about. I want to think about Burger King being, you know, special or being a celebration or um, being something that I get to do when I have free time. Um, so I feel like they're kind of taking the old, like, hey, you have massive exposure when people are stuck. They're a captive audience, so that's really smart. But I would really, I, I'd be a little concerned that you might get some weird cognitive connections getting built up there interesting interesting okay so we got a hit and a miss vote america's <laughs> you're the decision maker oh no i have to break the tie this is really interesting barbara because it just so happens as luck would have it that i was driving back from cape may yesterday with a friend of mine and they were using ways i use google maps but they use they love ways and, and it, all kinds of things are weird things are happening. There's a, there's a car on the side of the road coming up in 30 feet. It's like, holy crap. And they're like pressing, yes, is it still there? It's all this stuff going on. And I'm sitting there going like, this is kind of dangerous. But anyway, so, so I'm sitting there watching the ways. And it was kind of interesting, Barbara, because at some point, the ways is there. And I'm looking at it, following the directions. And this ad for Wawa pops up. And it's all of a sudden, it's like, well, Wawa is at the next exit in case you want to. And I thought that was, wow, that's kind of some artificial intelligence, sort of useful kind of cool stuff going on there. So I think I think there's a lot of potential here. I agree with Kate. I'm not sure. I, you know, the, the, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe that's the point. Maybe it's sort of like, this is the dissonance thing that Burger King loves to do so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, 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 so I think there's a lot of potential. So I'm going to call it a hiss. <laughs> oh, what I did there. Thank you. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. I think it's got a lot of potential, though. Yeah, that. I mean, it's interesting. Like I always thought, the ketchup bottle of Heinz, the classic ketchup bottle. The fact you couldn't get the ketchup out of the bottle. Yep. Kind of such, you know, creative. Yeah. Packaging. Yes. And it's along that same way to Kate's point. Things stuck in traffic is a terrible thing. So let's think about whoppers. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's good stuff. Uh, okay. I got one more if you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, do you have, did you bring one to the party? I or do you have one, but go with your second. Okay, vote if you have one. Okay. You so are actually, since we're on this fast food, this fast food theme here, I am a big fan of watching the chicken sandwich wars. Oh. I don't know why I found this so interesting, but there have been, I think, 20 different brands that have put new or different chicken sandwiches on the market since, say, December 2019. And yeah, sales for all online food went up in the last year, but sales of online chi- online chicken sandwich sales went up by 420%, right? So it's been this really interesting thing to me because 
We've always had chicken sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Who really cares that much? <laughs> the brands just keep rolling them out. And it's been really smart because Popeye started this, right? And then right. all the other brands said, look, somebody's just talking about our category. Right. Nobody's paid attention to our category for a thousand years, right? Right, right. Except those people who don't like red meat. So the chicken's like, you know, the other uh-huh. option. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Bar- so Burger King this week had this ad where it's they had um, Paul Giamatti playing that old creepy Burger King character that I never uh-huh. really liked. Yeah. And he's really sad because now Burger King is going to be all about this new chicken sandwich. And they did the same clever thing that I think, think some of these other brands did where they said, we're not going to let the consumer think about, do I go to Burger King or do I go to Popeye's? They're going to say, when I'm at Burger King, which am I going to choose? So like, ah. it, so now it'd be creating competition within their own store That's ah. instead of competing with the other sandwiches. Interesting. Now, reviews on the new sandwich are that it is really, really good. Okay. Um, but it was delayed because they had a pickle shortage or a pickle jar shortage during uh-huh. COVID, So they couldn't get it out as fast as they wanted. Interesting. <laughs> so anyway, I think this is great. I think this, this continued like ability to create discussion about a category that really isn't you know, isn't that central to most people's lives? It's pretty great. I think it's, I, I, I love watching it. Interesting. I think it's a big hit also to take the competition within Burger King. You got to go try twice as much Burger King product. Uh, yes. Yes, and it's yes. also they're giving you a free Whopper when you buy the chicken sandwich. Uh, so <laughs> I decided they're going to get you to like something no matter what. Interesting. I, I, yeah. I think that's brilliant person. That's, you think that's, that's, yeah, that's very cool. Well, so I grew up in Atlanta, so, you know, I'm a Chick-fil-A guy. I'm sorry. Um, but I love that. I love the idea of conceptually this notion of there's a psychological thing going on here, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to, there, there's not, there, there's not a ton of infinite, you know, uh, space there in the noggin of consumers. There's only enough, right? So it's smart to say that we're going to carve out this kind of psychological domain and we're going to put your focus inside of our sort of mm-hmm. elements right. and let and let it all play out that's quite brilliant from a psychological perspective so you know even though i'm, I'm a fan of the dwarf house and chick-fil-a you know that's my chicken sandwich uh i have to give props to uh to burger king because this i think this is a hit i think it's a pretty smart thing to do yeah chick-fil-a hasn't changed their recipe in a thousand years and- <laughs> yes in my, my former life at one point when we did some testing with different kinds of foods, like the Chick-fil-A people are just Chick-fil-A people. It doesn't yeah. change. You're it not doesn't change. That's yes. not that up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, I got one more. Okay. And maybe uh, we can use this maybe to talk about a bigger issue, which is what's going to happen post-COVID. Um, and so the well, Amazon is coming out. Amazon is always interesting to me. Amazon, as you guys might know, has a wearable, uh, you know, like an Apple Watch kind of thing. Only it's oh. the Amazon Halo, so it's the one that you can measure your, you can measure your your activity with it. But Amazon, Amazon's watch, consistent with Amazon, has collects way more data than some of the others. So it it collects um, body fat percentage and body temperature during speak sleep and tone of voice and it's going to collect a lot more information and so what they announced this week was that they were going to allow people 
to take pictures of themselves doing their exercise. And the Amazon watch would then tell you why your form is off or if you're hurting yourself. And because Amazon's going deep into the health business as well. So they're, they're really building out their whole business. Um, but now this app will allow you to do what a trainer does in real time. Like you're doing a plank, raise your mid midsection or whatever you're going to do and make sure your knee is behind your toe and all the things those people are always yelling at us about. Now you're going to have, I guess, Alexa. I never like to say her name loud, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you're going to be able to tell you or something from the photography. So my question on this is one, is that a good idea? Is that too much information? And two, What's your prediction post-COVID as the gyms are opening? Are you still going to see people on their Pelotons and using these kinds of virtual things? Or do you think people are going back into the gyms? And that's really a more general question about what post-COVID behavior is going to be. Americus, you're our resident <laughs> gym expert. Oh, no. This is funny. <laughs> I, I love this. Thank you for I did not know about this wearable, Barbara. Um, so that's really interesting. I think that you know, I think that space is heating up. There's all kinds of tech that's coming into uh, to the fitness space. Um, and so I think it's pretty interesting. I think, though, that people often underestimate the power of the social piece around gyms and the fact that, you know, there's a there's a utility about being in a room with other people who are putting out energy uh, that's related to the, the motivational impetus for, for doing the exercise. So, you know, I've been back in the gym uh, and they've recently, you know, re relaxed the mask mandate. So if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear the mask anymore, which is kind of interesting, but it is, you, you see a kind of elevated, like people are like excited. I, I'm picking up like, wow, it's, it's great to be back around other humans, uh, you know, in that context. So I think though, it depends your point, Barbara is hundred percent correct. I think there's heterogeneity, right? It depends on what segment you're talking about. There were the people who, you know, love to, maybe they're already introverted or they don't really need that whole thing or they need their, or their time constraints. So they just need that 30, 40 minutes in the morning on their Peloton. Then you have the others. And I know this group, they're gym rats. They love to like, they're socializing there. It's the whole thing is like, there's a workout that happens in between, the <laughs> the talking and the commiserating and all of this kind of stuff. So I think it's going to depend. Your second question, Barbara, is going to depend on the specific segment. But more generally, I particularly am a fan of data and using data in real time to be able to optimize what I'm doing from an exercise perspective. Because I think at a certain point you reach, you know, like for me, you reach an age where you're not going to be able to, to squeeze more ability out of what you're doing in terms of your physical uh, prowess. So it, it's these other things like your form, your technique, your nutrition, these other kinds of things that the data can help us really kind of optimize in real time. I can't say I trust Jeff Bezos, though. I don't, I'm not sure I want Alexa on my arm. Right. So I, I think it's a hit. I like it. But, you know, uh, we'll have to see how it all plays out because there is a lot of different types of segments in the gym space. Kate, I know you've thought about this on different, what, what's your take on? I, I've never bought a wearable, right? So I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, a little bit biased on this, but I will say if it's a wearable that does everything at once, I kind of like the idea. What I don't like is when my phone does one thing and my watch does something else and my laptop does something else and my Peloton does something else. If I can actually get that all in one place, and it's, that's pretty awesome. And I think that as people emerge from COVID, 
um, it may give them a chance to do things better, right? Say, okay, mm. I've been going to the gym forever in kind of this, you know, half-hearted, I show up, I do the thing kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but for many people, a lot of their goals have been put on hold for the last year, right? So what they're going to want to see is progress. They're going to want to be like, okay, I really am getting from the couch to the 5K. Um, it's funny, overheard conversations in Philly the other day, I heard two people walking along and the, this woman said, I downloaded this couch to 5K app, but um, then I decided that was too much. So I, I got rid of it and I downloaded the couch to 2K app. people are gonna if they can use this data to see that something is changing something is progressing that's going to be pretty satisfying interesting now creepy you're going to get the creepy factor if my my app notices that my nutrition is bad and so it tells me no i'm not going to order those snickers bars for you (laughs) that's right as soon as you walk into that wendy's it says please leave immediately barbara so this is this is super interesting though because I, I'm help me understand this, I'm, this. This may be actually random neurons firing, Barbara, but I recall a study by one of our colleagues, Jordan Etkin, who found that the more you measure stuff, the worse the motivation gets. Is that am I recalling this correctly? Or is there something? Not the motivation. She argued when she controlled. I don't actually love that research, just to go on record, because uh, it, it's not that I don't think she did anything wrong. It's just I think that that depends on the customer. Yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't work for me. But mm-hmm. what she found is that you actually enjoy it more if you're not measuring. Something ah. about the measurement in some way takes away from the intrinsic intrinsic enjoyment of the mm. test. But the, I personally believe that depends on people. And it's mm-hmm. not true for everyone. It's not a right. main effect. I, I believe her data. I'm sure she found it. Right. But it wouldn't work for me because I do not enjoy it if I don't measure. Measure is part of <laughs> yes. part of the... Uh, yeah, that's... That's interesting, Barbara. I wonder to what extent you you know your your background as a social scientist, right, plays into that, right? Your fitness enthusiast, uh, you know what I mean? It's like it, for, for in our world of of you know this notion of epistemological, uh, logical positivist, you know, it has to be measured before it's real, kind of thing. You know what I mean? So it's like that. It, that's the spirit. That's how I feel about it. It's like I want to measure everything because, and I get incredible joy out of measuring things. But that might just be because that's my job. <laughs> I, know, I like measuring exercise just because then I know when I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I never know when I'm finished. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think you could get you could get people who like measurement because it's a big part of their identity to exercise, and people who like it because it's not. Yeah. Interesting. And I forget exactly the, I mean, she obviously did a controlled experiment and uncoupled all this stuff and found this effect, but it never resonated with me personally. So Kate, we only have a few minutes left, but we luckily have you on our show and we don't want to miss our opportunity to find out what you've been up to and some of the new research ideas that you're kicking around. I'll be happy to tell you. Um, I think that what I've talked with both of you guys a little bit is this work on marketplace dignity which is really exciting. And I've got this great team, um, woman named uh, Dr. Neela Saldana, who is a Wharton PhD, but then went on to work at Pepsi and for the Gates Foundation um, and for a number of other uh, groups doing behavioral science work, particularly in the global South. And a gentleman named Mr. Tom Wine, he started something called the Dignity Project, which was originally uh, focused really on development economics. Because what he saw was that these big NGOs were coming in and trying to help people, but without taking into account how those people were experiencing what was being given to them. And I thought, well, this 
that that problem seems somewhat resonant with what happens in the marketplace right now right in the sense that you have all these brands that are very they've got they've spent a lot of money building a purpose they've spent a lot of money perhaps in you know sort of product oriented industries like pharma and tech building the best thing but sometimes that's done without a lot of consideration for the way that it's going to actually affect the consumer or the way that their communications about it are going to feel to the consumer so you keep getting these weird missteps you keep getting <laughs> just strange things um, so what we're trying to do is to put together a framework where companies can can assess the the extent to which they are respecting consumer dignity and what they do. Some of them are already really good at it, but some of them go off course at some point in what they do, and then they come off looking really inauthentic because they blew it. I love this because well, I personally mm -hmm. think that the, the trend in marketing now is to focus on the customer experience, period, and the mm -hmm. product itself is almost a commodity. Mm. I mean, that's the way it's been with price for a really long time. You know, you, you go down the trail to the lowest price and it can't be about price anymore. Mm -hmm. In some sense, I think we're at that stage in marketing that it can't be about the product anymore. Yeah. And it's really got to be about customer experience. So I think we're seeing a mega trend on that. But mm -hmm. I have never heard anybody talk about it in any of the advertising or the strategy in terms of preserving the dignity of the consumer. I've heard it, you know, the hope, the trust, the happiness, mm -hmm. the dignity is, that's a different way of framing the problem. I think that's super interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I found so far is it has a lot of really strong effects. So um, we had people write about cases where they felt that they weren't respected. So like the traditional word is just respect. Um, and, and people, first of all, people could write a lot about that. They'll write a book when they weren't respected. Mm -hmm. um, so, and you show, when you analyze what they write, you see these huge peaks in emotion, like you would expect. People are angry and they're sad and they're ashamed, right? So we know something bad is being done to us. We sort of internalize it. It's pretty mm -hmm. rough. Um, so you see the emotion you'd expect, but it's not just an emotional response. It's also a really intellectual one. They're the grade level at which people write about being denied their dignity or disrespected is way higher than the grade level you get when they write about being respected. So it's not just that people get really emotional, then that they explain it and they explain it by saying, well, it's because this company doesn't care mm. or it's because, you know, my customers were jerks and they thought I was poor and they, <laughs> they were rich. Mm. They come up with a causal structure on the whole thing. So that's a fundamental attribution problem, right? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like, yep. All something kinds goes of wrong, it's someone else's fault. So yeah. they mm. clean the product, kick the dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, in, mm -hmm. in these cases, it often, I mean, you know, so you wait in line at a hotel and somebody else is getting, every line is moving faster than your line and you aren't getting served. Nobody's paying attention to you. Mm. Um, or you're trying to get through security at the airport and you feel like everybody else just goes through and suddenly you get singled out and you have to be treated a different way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas again, if, if I'm treated well, I don't think about it. So mm -hmm. I think that's sort of the perfect storm for brands. It's this really strong negative emotion and all these thoughts that then back it up. Interesting work. Very cool stuff. Fun. Yeah. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. We have to get you to come back again. And where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your research? Oh, I would just go to my Wharton website. That's probably the best thing. I occasionally tweet. Usually one of you is involved in the Twitter discussion, <laughs> but um, also feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to talk about it.
Well, thanks a lot. That's Kate Lamberton, one of our marketing professors here at Wharton. We're mm -hmm. going to take a short break. And when we're back, we're going to talk about marketing at OkCupid, one of the most popular dating apps. This is Marketing Matters Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.